Welcome to The Follow-Up, a weekly podcast that goes in-depth into projects recently reviewed on Brand New, featuring conversations with the designers and sometimes their clients, uncovering the context, background, and design decisions behind the work. Hi, this is Brian Gomez Palacio, and welcome to episode four of The Follow-Up. This week, we're following up on Museo Nacional de República, a public art museum in Brasilia, the federal capital of Brazil, which was designed in the 1950s by Oscar Niemeyer, one of the most renowned modernist architects. The project was a grand collaboration orchestrated by Sao Paulo-based Manufatura, who took on the project pro bono with Brasilia's Department of Culture and brought on board over a dozen collaborators who also provided their services pro bono. Among them was Brooklyn, New York-based Porto Rocha, who designed the identity. The project was posted on Brand New on June 17. You can pull it up on your browser at bit.ly slash bnpodcast004. That is bit dot l-y slash bnpodcast004, all in lowercase. This week, we're joined by Marcos Mendes, creative director of Manufatura, and Leo Porto and Felipe Rocha, founders and creative directors of Porto Rocha. In this conversation, we talk about the challenges of designing for the cultural sector in Brazil, the relevance of honoring the modernist legacy of not just the museum, but the city itself, the beauty of abstraction, and the potential that identity design and branding offers to companies and organizations across Brazil. Now, let's listen in as Armin follows up with Marcos, Leo, and Felipe. It is a beautiful Friday morning here in Bloomington, Indiana, as we uh, record. I think this is the fourth episode of the follow-up, and it feels particularly festive today because uh, it feels almost like carnival up in here as we have uh, three Brazilians joining us on the follow-up. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. And since we have uh, three people on the call, if you could state your names and your title so that our listeners can identify you as we begin the podcast. I'm Leo. I'm founder and creative director at Porto Rocha. I'm Felipe, founder and creative director at Porto Rocha. And I'm Marcos, creative director at Manfatura. All right, let's get started. And the first question is for Marcos. So one of the things that Leo explained to me by email was the state of public art and culture in Brazil, where there's a significant lack of funds from the government, which in turn is the one that manages the Museo Nacional of Brasilia. So with that context, why did the museum decide to redesign and embark on this project now? Manufatura has been invited to, to reimagine the museum's identity by Charles Kozak, which is the current uh, director of the museum. And Kozak is a very respected professional involved in the arts. And he came to Brasilia in 2019 to direct the museum. He's a person who really understands uh, the needs of a branding project, you know. So I think that there's a shift when he, when he comes to the museum, there's a shift in, in this kind of vision. So besides having no funds to really transform the museum, there was no identity and verbal system representing uh, it. So the connection with the public was fragmented and random. It's really uh, a sad scenario, but there was no unity in its expressions 
And that's what we found when we came to the project. And I think it's difficult to find support if you, if it isn't clear what this institution represents. You know, it wasn't really clear what the museum represented at the, at that time. So the all the project we came to to bring up something clearer. So the main impetus for taking on this project came from Mr. Kosak himself, and more than the government saying, "Let's work on this project." I think he's very he's very sensitive and he's very uh, he knows that uh, this is important for uh, for a museum. We have like in, in Brasilia we have we can also expand this context to other Brazilian institutions. You know we have lots of cultural equipments that look like in ruins. You know Brasilia has only 60 years and it's sad to see that. But on the opposite side of the street of the museum, you know, right in front of the museum, we have the National Theater and it's been closed for years. It's very sad. But uh, when when Kozak came to, to to the museum, he he really know that knew that a branding project, a rebranding project, should make this easier to to communicate and to find support and and to take people to the museum. You know, right. Now, uh, Leo and Felipe, uh, for our listeners that may not be aware, you're both originally from Brazil and you're now living and working in New York. So there's an obvious connection that you would be an appropriate team to take on this. But how did you uh, become involved in the project? So, yeah, at first I got a DM on Instagram from Marcus. And when I read the message, at first I was very skeptical about the opportunity, to be honest, because in the message I already knew that it was supposed to be a pro bono project, cultural project. And at the same time, I was very excited about that opportunity. I was also very skeptical because about one year before um, Museo happened, we had another situation that was so similar that I think Leo yeah, can... We, we had major flashbacks as soon as we got that message. It was a very mixed feelings of excitement, but also we weren't sure if we should pursue the project or not. Because exactly a year before, we were invited to design another museum by the same architect, by coincidence, in Rio this time. And we worked super hard. We made a whole presentation. We flew to Rio. And when we got there, the museum director didn't show up to the meeting. So we ended up never even presenting the work. And to us, that was just very clear, very traumatic, <laughs> but also it really set up the circumstances for the kinds of projects that we shouldn't take on. Uh, working for public culture institutions is really hard, like Marcos mentioned. Uh, there's a lack of incentive for change because there's no money involved. So more than a design challenge, it's typically also a financial challenge, a logistics challenge, and you have to work with a lot of people, lots of layers. There's even politics involved. So when Marcos reached out to us, we were like, should we commit the same mistake twice? <laughs> but, but we were like, let's hear them out. Let's, let's have a chat and see what what it is about and yeah. immediately we realized it was going to be very different than our first experience yeah i think our first chat went really well we were very aligned in terms of how uh, the pre perfect process for this project to happen and yeah again like we knew it was it was going to be a lot of work and it's it was going to be a pro bono project but i think we were all very excited about the opportunity i think chatting with manufactura immediately we realized it was different because you guys had everything figured out. You had a plan. It was extremely comprehensive and organized. And more than, like I said, a design plan, it was really a plan of how are we gonna 
make this actually take off and go into the real world. But in Brazil, it's very different maybe from other places because uh, it's not that like you create a beautiful identity and then boom, like the next day, it's already there and beautiful. Uh, the process of implementing, it's also very complex. Being from Mexico City, uh, which is very similar to Brazil in many aspects, I think when you were saying that, you know, you flew to Brazil, the moment you set to do the presentation, the moment you said that in my mind, I'm thinking the client didn't show up because that's a, <laughs> a, a very typical thing that would also happen in Mexico. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite commendable that even after that experience, uh, you, you still decided to take on the project. So, um, and, and you spoke to a plan by Manufatura. So, Marcos, do you remember what was that plan in terms of making this, making sure that this project happened? Do you remember what was in it that sort of convinced uh, Leo and uh, Felipe? Yes, we, we knew it, it was a big project and it should be a big project and, and involve lots of people. So, we actually moved like 25 collaborators, all. all all of them pro bono. So it's very hard to convince these people. It's very hard to bring up these people and to synchronize everybody. So I think Manufatura came to this place of convergence where we were communicating to, to all these people and to, to bring up to the museum and really implement the, the, the project. We really saw an opportunity to apply uh, lots of projects inside one project. So an intelligent narrative, a great design system, a content-based strategy. So uh, we really uh, went up to produce that all, you know, because in Brazil, it's, it's like Leo and, uh, and Felipe said, sometimes you just make some mock-ups and, and, and beautiful designs and everything, it's going to get to your portfolio, but in practice, it doesn't come to reality. So it's very frustrating, you know, and I didn't want that to come to, to, to the museum. So uh, even the museum, they don't have money to, to implement all the stuff we, we have developed but uh, we have partners and here in the agency, we have partners who can support that. So media partners and producing partners, it was quite a, a strategic project, you know? Uh, we were in this point of convergence to make everybody make one single voice. And what attracted you to uh, Porto Rocha's work? And, you know, kind of a follow-up to that question, how come you didn't just work with someone in Brazil. And this is, it, it isn't so much a, like, uh, an accusation of like, why didn't you work with someone in Brazil? But, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think I have a sense of why, but it would be interesting to hear from your perspective. Yes, I think when, when we thought about this team and when we wrote to Puerto Russia, and, and it was very clear that uh, this, this project will be big and involve lots of people. So we needed people to, to design this brand design system, uh, people to uh, make graphic design, verbal identity, art direction, photography, film, and others. So uh, we think, okay, lots of people, but why Puerto Rocha? Why these guys for the project, you know? Uh, first of all, I think that they are Brazilians. We are all Brazilians here. I think we, we really know uh, the aspects of, the, of our country. We really are connected to what is happening here now. So they have this essence. Uh, even they are in New York, I can see very Brazilian aspects in their work, but acting globally, you know, I think the, the museum needed this, this global speech that communicate with everybody, it had to be inclusive, plural, and I think they, they have all these attributes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so for you, uh, Leon Felipe, did, did the project make sense once you got over the, fa over the fact that it was pro bono, that it was long distance? Uh, did it feel right to take on this project? Yes, I think 100%. To us, I think there's two parts 
to that question. On the one hand, whenever we work pro bono, I think 90% of the work we do is in Brazil. We always try to prioritize projects that we can give back to our country, our roots, our culture. So to us, it was a no-brainer to take it on. But I think more than that, as a studio, we are in a very unique position in that we really understand Brazil. We were born and raised there. We have a strong tie to the Brazilian culture, but also we have experience working with global brands. So that tends to be an attractive kind of in-between position for Brazilian companies that want to expand their audience and perhaps have a more global approach. And I think in, in, in terms of a museum, it makes especially more sense considering they do have an international audience. They do have lots of tourists. The whole museum is bilingual. It was a good match in that sense. And I think museums in general, now they're becoming more and more, not just the physical space, the physical experience. It's more than that. It's like a voice. It's a brand. We spoke a lot of, uh, about that in the beginning because uh, we need the, the museum to like to explode, you know, like to be the epicenter of a great message and that this message could be uh, in its plaza and in the city and in the world. So there's this sense of understanding that the physical space of the museum, even if it's very iconic, it's Nehemiah's work, uh, it, needs to, it needed to be expanding, expensive, you know, expanding, this, this, this is the word. So uh, Leo and Felipe, when you started on the project, was there a clear design brief from the start? And I ask this because the design has a very distinctive modernist aesthetic that ties to the origins of the city of Brasilis. We were just talking, which was designed from the ground up in large part by Oscar Niemeyer, uh, who's one of the most renowned modernist architects. So I wonder if this was a desire from the beginning to sort of allude to that aesthetic? I don't think necessarily we had a super clear design brief, but we did have a lot of materials to work from. A lot of work that Manufatura did prior to us being engaged that I think were really helpful in keeping us focused in our creative process. There were a lot of research was conducted. There was a lot of positioning work, tone of voice. And I think all of that combined with the history, which was so important to the building itself and the legacy of the city, we ended up in a design solution that did feel uh, very modern. Yeah, there wasn't a design brief in terms of, oh, the identity needs to be modernist, the identity needs to be minimal. But there was a design brief in a sense that like, okay, what we need to communicate with this project, which for me, it's more important than going specific into aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I really think that it was necessary to give freedom for everybody who collaborate in this project. That's why I, I just synthesized people with the, the approach the project needed. So before getting to design, uh, really passed through a strategy phase for like two months. So we got to Felipe and Leo with this research, this filmmaking and photography tests and, and focus groups that we made with architects and curators. And we find, found out like an anagram in the word uh, museu, uh, like seu, that means yours, a meal that means mine, and use that means use. So we, we could make an anagram like uh, concrete, concrete poetry, uh, very usual in Brazilian in the 60s. I think what, what was really clear at this moment is that uh, it had to be modern, okay, but uh, easy to be understood, inclusive, and that could talk about appropriation, use, and property, 
maybe we can, uh, in a poetical sense, because we needed to tell everybody that the museum is yours, is mine, is is from everybody, is uh, everybody's owns the the museum. So. Uh, let's participate and make make the museum better. And in that strategy work that lasted for uh, two months, uh, were you working only with uh, Mr. Kosak, or was there a, was there eventually a committee and a team uh, that was that took over the project? Yes, it was really a team. So we we made focus groups with, with architects and, and curators. Uh, we made interviews with Kosak. We made uh, interview with people passing through uh, in the plaza. Of the museum, so we just pointed out to the museum and, and we asked them, "What is this? What is that? I don't know what is this. What is this?" And people said, "Ah, it's the museum," or "I don't know what it is," or "I don't know what 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 uh, can I expect to be inside of it?" And people, even uh, some people, didn't know what uh, what the museum had. So they're passing every day at this place, and and they didn't know what what was happening inside. So it was. There were great insights in this phase of the project to to make uh, to make design decisions after you know. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Leo and Felipe, with those uh, with that strategy in place and the design that you ended up with, like I have a feeling that maybe you only presented one option, but did you go in into that first round presentation with multiple options, or from the beginning did you know that the eventual design was what it should be? We presented two options actually. I think we very, very rarely present just one option. I think it's really helpful to see two potential viable paths forward. It makes it a lot easier for decisions to be made and conversations to be had. We normally, like when we take on projects, we like to present two options because that's a way for us to solve the same challenge in two different ways. So mm. it makes the process easier for us mm. when it makes sense, obviously. Yeah. But the two directions, I guess the main difference between them is that one of them was more modern in the sense of utilitarian, which is the one that was selected. And it always felt really right for us. The second direction was a little bit more playful, a little bit more artistic and poetic, I guess. We took references from concrete poetry. And I think ultimately when we had to decide between the two paths, the first one made more sense when we were trying to be more accessible, more open, less exclusive. And, and more timeless, you know, because I feel the second direction, it was great, but it was, yeah, as Leo was saying, it was more artistic and more poetic. I think it would be beautiful for maybe a gallery space or for an exhibition. But the first one felt more, it just felt right. There's also another um, aspect to it, which was the fact that we had to consider a design system that was easy to execute to a certain extent. And particularly when we think about the amount of content that is generated, and it's amazing to see the museum generating content every day. There are multiple posts, um, stories and everything. So I think Direction One really kind of gave the tools necessary for contents to be generated at a higher speed, whereas the other one would require more attention to detail, more craft, and especially when we consider the financial context and their internal design teams, it could become a burden for them. So I think that's, that was mostly the, the the decision process behind going with Direction One. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And speaking to the design where 
you know, it's a circle inside a square, which is the bird's eye view. And uh, Marcos is holding a comp, which is literally a square with a circle cut out of it. And I think that it, it highlights how uh, accessible it is to just make the logo. Like the old logo, it was a, uh, you know, a side view of the museum and it's a half circle and it makes perfect sense. Whereas this one is a little bit more abstract. Were you at all concerned that it would be a little bit too abstract? I don't think so. I, I would say almost like not at all. To us, we think there's a lot of power in that abstraction in the sense that we think the symbol can gain meaning over time and grow and develop as people experience it. So you start to build a relationship with the symbol, which I think is the main difference from where the museum was and where we took it. The previous symbol is very depictive, very literal. It was a, a drawing of sorts that tried to emulate the architecture. But to us, what's powerful about the museum is the building itself. Yeah. It's so powerful on its own. And yeah, we like the idea of, you know, when you close your eyes and you think about the museum, you, you don't think about the logo. Essentially, you think about the building, and I think that's so iconic to to think about the building versus a logo. Like the same way that when you think about the Guggenheim building, you think about the building itself and not necessarily the Guggenheim typeface. Mm -hmm. uh, and for us, we wanted to create an identity system that in a way it was supporting the building mm -hmm. and not overlap or not trying to replicate mm -hmm. that building in a logo. In my point of view, I think uh, being a little abstract, I mean, it's something good, you know, because I, I love brands that can keep some mystery and something that can unfold and, and, and new aspects that can justify its narrative for, for a bigger time, you know. So, I mean, we needed a symbol that can get this narrative all together. So there's much to say. There's too much to say. And we need a brand as a, as a vehicle and not just as a cos cosmetic expression. That, that's it, what, what we said. The museum is an icon for, for itself. The building is an icon. And how did the client and the museum team receive it? Yes, we, uh, when we first saw it, was, we were really connected to the first option. And, and I, I just loved it. Loved it. Uh, I think it was the cherry on top, you know. And uh, also people from the museum really loved it and were really anxious to, to apply it all in the museum. So now we keep this mission to, to keep it alive and keep it active. And so this is a rather, it's a question that only applies to brand new on our readers and the amount of work that we see, you know, day in and day out that we've been looking at for the past six, 10 years. You know, we see this kind of modernist design a lot with a pared down typography, very simple. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, a lot of it was driven by the constraints of implementation and that, you know, there's just not enough infrastructure to create something a little bit more um, involved and more detailed. But was there any concern about it being perceived too simple or the kind of like a follow-up is, is this a visual language that would just feel pretty novel in Brasilia? That's a great question. I think there are so many parts to answering that. Uh, I think the brand new side is one thing we can, we can talk about. But before, I think a lot of the motivation behind the design decisions go a lot beyond just the logistics of it. I think that was kind of a plus. Uh, when we think about how iconic that building is as a huge uh, contributor to modernism in the 50s, that 
whole graphic solution feels exactly right and appropriate. When we look at other brands that might be appropriating that kind of same language, they might not have the historical context to pull it off. So when we think of a circle and a square, people say, is that too simple? Maybe if you are a tech company, but if you are an iconic dome building that was designed in the 50s in the center of one of the most important modernist cities in the world, no, it's like the museum can pull it off. Yes, I think there's a good place for minimalism, even if it's overused, you know, uh, and Brasilia is minimalist. Uh, even people uh, insist to live like if it was Paris or, or crystal chandeliers and, and dressed up like Baroque, you know. Uh, there's these contradictory views in Brazilians, but, but uh, we need to uh, preserve what makes the city so unique. So I think the identity and, the, and this project really connects to the city. If we think about this city, I think they, it has uh, lots of aspects that justify the project. So uh, Armin, I, I don't know if you know Brasilia. Uh, have you been here? No, I have not been. I have seen plenty of images on uh, Google search. But, yes, uh... yes, <laughs> yes. It, it, <laughs> it's a city. Uh, look, residential buildings up to six story high, huge white concrete monuments all over the city, blue skies all over seven months a year, uh, lots of green spaces, big spaces to walk around and contemplate, simple shapes and modern architecture everywhere. So, I mean, this is a city for a film director. This is a city for a, a designer, a writer. It's very romantic, you know? It's such a pretty background, visually speaking. So I, I think the, the design system really connects to all this, this scenario. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I think I, like it, that's something that I even mentioned in my review that, yes, it is a design, a visual design language that we've seen over and over a lot of times just as an aesthetic choice without any conceptual merit to it. Uh, but that in this case, coming from that context of knowing that Brasilia had this modernist, you know, not a bringing, but this modernist creation from the beginning, it makes perfect sense. So um, yeah, I think uh, the design is pretty much spot on. I just wanted to ask that question because it's uh, it's something that comes up where people are go like, no, not this again, but in some cases it's like, oh, this makes pretty good sense. Yeah, and I think just to add to what Leo and Marcos was saying, uh, one thing that maybe a lot of the international audience. audience doesn't know, it's the history in Brazil's modernist, which is it was a, also a very important movement in Brazil in yeah. terms of the aesthetics during the 60s and the 70s. That's a good point. I think Brazil doesn't uh, get as much credit for the contributions. Historically, Brazil is not very much on graphic design books. So I think the people there that perhaps criticize it uh, not to sound too defensive, but they might not know the history of design in Brazil and the huge contribution to modernism. That obviously was influenced by European design, mm -hmm. but in a way, like it was like its own thing. So I think that was also important to, yeah. to mention. Now that you have this wonderful design and you know a plan for implementation, then COVID happens. Um, what how what effect did that have on trying to implement something for a museum that I, I imagine was already struggling and then all of a sudden you have this great moment where like oh this could be a turning point for the museum and then this happens so how has the implementation been in the past few months it's a very difficult time i think for everyone but uh we had scheduled the brand launch for april 21st which is a very symbolic date, is Brasilia's 60th anniversary. So, but plans went down and when COVID came, 
and we had programmed the campaign launch embracing the new identity system with an optimistic film and celebrated mood you know it was very wow and <laughs> it was uh kind of fun, kind of uh, inclusive, you know? And also we had programmed mapping projections on the museum website launch and signage system applied. And now we are, we are activating online and preparing the audience and waiting for the reopening of the museum to, to get this all uh, together done. So we're really sad that we could not launch uh, everything uh, on April 21st, but uh, we're still anxious for that. And so in this whole process, even up to that point, until April 21, did this whole process invigorate the museum, not just the museum, but maybe perhaps other cultural organizations and maybe through the people that were involved in the, in the committee that like, hey, it's possible to reignite all these cultural institutions and, you know, bring them to life in a way that hasn't been done before. Bingo. I think this for me, is the main goal, you know. Uh, I hope to find you soon and talk about how incredible things are in the museo and in Brazil. And fingers crossed that the museum could be inviting and welcoming and making the public feel like they belong. This is the starting point, you know. We, what, what we did was really uh, little but has uh, great significance. This is a work made by lots of hands and, and Manfatura as a platform, only as a platform. And I'm so grateful for you guys, for Leo and Felipe to, to be with us in this project. And I really expect to see it applied and, and motivating people, you know. Yeah, definitely. Really, uh, fingers crossed that uh, this it happens sooner rather than later and uh, keeps that momentum going. Uh, so, Leo and Felipe, you had this uh, horrible experience uh, doing a work in Brazil one time, and now you had a you know the opposite, a wonderful experience. Does that uh, make you want to continue doing work in Brazil? Please. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. We we love working with clients in Brazil. We actually have many clients currently that we work with um, in Brazil. So there's always been a lot, a lot of heart for that. Um, like I said earlier, I think we are uh, at a unique position where we are attractive to Brazilian clients that want to expand and position themselves as more global. And we also love working on uh, pro bono projects that are culturally and socially motivated. That's another big part of uh, what we do. So yeah, we want to keep <laughs> working with Brazil and our roots. And uh, this is a question that doesn't quite pertain to the project at hand, but more to your position as Brazilian designers in New York. How do you see the difference of working with clients in the U.S.? And, and I'm sure there are some obvious uh, um, differences, but I would love to hear your perspective of how, how you feel firsthand, how it's different to work with clients in the U.S., the first main difference is understanding the markets and the audiences. I think Brazil and its relationship with design is very different than the relationship audiences in the U.S., for instance, have with design. In the sense that I feel like brands, uh, Brazil is kind of catching up to uh, this huge movement where design is really valued. And I think we've all experienced that shift in the last five to ten years where design has uh, started to play a significant role for brands as a powerful tool to enhance their experiences. In Brazil, design is still a little bit too attached to advertising. Just culturally, Brazil has a very strong advertising culture. A lot of design happens in ad agencies. So it's a slow process, but that's evolving. Whereas here, I think as designers, it's easier to explain the value of design. 
but we do have wonderful clients in Brazil that are ahead of the curve. And I think that's exactly what we're excited about. We're excited about being part of that movement to, to bring design at scale in Brazil. So we have, we're working with really big companies like Melissa, which is one of the biggest shoemakers in Brazil. And they have a huge reach. They have like thousands of stores in the most remote areas of Brazil, which to us is super interesting. We're also working with Olympicos, which is another, the biggest sneaker brand company. So the fact that we're able to bring design to the masses and even if incrementally change the design culture in Brazil to us, that's super exciting and super gratifying. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a long process and it's not ideal right now, but it's, it's getting better. And I think as Leo was saying, people are seeing design more as a tool that is part of the whole experience versus something that is really just associated to marketing and communication. And Marcos, how do you uh, see that on you know, being there? I mean, uh, there's a shift of culture here. And people are looking for solutions, solutions that could be, could be applied and identify their, their products. So I really am connected to this different kind of looking for design because I think design is a process. It's a process. It's very big. It's, it's a tool for, for solving lots of, of, of things. We need to use it the, the best way and not only in advertising and not only in, in Look what we did with the museum. We had to, to talk to people and we had to make tests and talk to artists and design. And uh, there's a lot of, of things to do, you know, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very happy to be in this market here and opening these spaces and connecting people, good people and uh, people from outside, people from Brazil. And I think what's wonderful about this project, aside from being a really nice result, is that, as you have mentioned, it has the potential of changing the perception of what design can do, that it's not just a little decoration that you put on things, but that it's a process and a system that leads to better thinking, that leads to more empowered clients and more empowered organizations. So uh, I think what you have done here is uh, quite commendable in terms of not just the design solution, but in pushing the visual language of not just one museum, but possibly the whole country, which is not to put too much pressure on you as you take on more uh, projects there, but I think it is an important step in sort of creating this better understanding of what design can do beyond just a good logo or a good typeface choice, but that it, it implies a lot more. So well done to all of you and all of the teams down there in Brazil. And yeah, also a big, uh, I think a big congratulations to the client for seeing the value of this whole process. So that, those are my parting words, and I want to thank uh, Leo, Felipe, and Marco so much for joining me today on the follow-up. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. As with so many things affected by the pandemic, it's a shame to see the momentum generated by this rebranding process halted right before it was set to launch, as it had clearly invigorated the organization. But, on a positive note, it's encouraging that the museum has not just a strong identity to build on when the public is able to experience it, but a group of creatives that believed in its mission enough to take on the project pro bono and ready to support its eventual success. Today, thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll be here. We hope you'll be there. <laughs>